Hello, and welcome to the Accelerated Leadership Podcast with Chris Adams. This is a conversation about vision, culture, and leadership that will accelerate your growth and expand your influence. So let's get at it. All right, everybody. Welcome to Episode 8 of Accelerated Leadership. I have uh, Vernon here with us. Um, Vernon, hey you want to introduce yourself and let everybody know around uh, how long you've been with our our group and on the leadership team? Well, gosh, um, I feel like I've been around forever, but I think I've been with the Exchange of Leadership since I was about uh, 15 and then all of my adult life, really. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, today I wanted to talk about uh, something that I think is going to be very, very crucial for us, especially over this break, to kind of reflect on our lives and our leadership ability, and that is uh, accountability and also uh, when it's appropriate to confront each other and hold each other accountable as a team. And I was reading this article uh, the other day from Harvard Business Review, and they had surveyed various different businesses, and they they found that the weakest teams have no accountability, hmm. uh, mediocre teams, uh, the bosses or the supervisors are the only source of accountability, but high-performance teams, they found that peers and other team members are holding each other accountable. And as we go into 2018 with intentionality and intensity, I think that that high performance level of functioning on our leadership team is something that we need to strive for. So I think to get there, uh, we're going to have to learn how to hold each other as a team accountable. So specifically this week, what I wanted to talk about is, okay, so let's just say, for example... Uh, Vernon, let's just use some, you know, some fun scenarios. Not that any of these things would ever happen, uh, or that they ever have happened. But let's just say, for example, that um, uh, Elijah is at Walgreens one day, mm-hmm. and he uh, he is over in the uh, peanut aisle getting him some trail mix. And then walks in, uh, let's just say Miss Joni walks in, and she doesn't know he's in there, but he sees her uh, purchasing a carton of Marlboro Lights. So that's an example. That might be an example of uh, something that he may want to confront uh, his peer, his team member on. Um, let's just use another example. Sure. Let's just say that because um, I've had people apply to be part of the exchange leadership team who uh, have some some issues in their lives. For example, that they are single, they're not married, right? Yet they are living with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and so. Uh, let's just say, for example, and you know, a good portion of our leadership team uh, is single. Sure. So let's just say that um, it, it it kind of is discovered that one of our single uh, 
uh, male leaders um, has been spending the night with somebody that they aren't married to. And one of our other leaders finds that information out. Well, that would be an example of uh, an issue that we would want to confront. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I want to talk about today is in three areas, uh, the when, the how, and the why, uh, we would want to confront a team member. Uh, I would say, and I'm going to start with when, I would recommend that we that we confront these things among our teams uh, sooner than later. Uh, because ultimately, and I understand it's not comfortable to to confront uh, these issues, because really what you're doing is you're confronting sin. And I think the enemy wants us to feel nervous. The enemy wants us to feel intimidated, because he wants to manipulate us to keep us from pinpointing uh, those issues. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to, to say in that vein, Vernon? Yeah, it's so interesting that the very things that the enemy wants to get us caught up in confusion and feelings about are the same things that can cause us to go forward. The same feelings that we would have about trying to confront someone, the nervousness, the fear, are very similar to the feelings you might have about trying to evangelize or witness to someone. So if you're feeling those kind of feelings, it's a good chance that you're in the right place, that you're doing the right thing. Right. Um, Because here's the deal. Sin blinds and numbs uh, people. And so one of the reasons we want to catch it soon enough, because our heart is that we want to help. We don't want to uh, necessarily catch somebody, but we want to help them. And so the sooner we confront that, the faster that we can hopefully help them get back on track and start making wise decisions. Because I've talked to so many people that have been involved in sinful habits and sinful patterns, and it's almost like they are oblivious to, and, 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 and they don't understand um, that they're doing anything wrong. And it's because that sin has blinded them and numbed them out so much. And so... Uh, it's almost, it's almost like the scenario in the Old Testament between David and Nathan, uh, when Nathan confronted David, and Nathan told him that story, um, uh, in regards to the uh, was it a sheep? Yeah. Or was it a lamb? Sheep, lamb, the yeah. Situation. Yeah. So Vernon, you're good with the Old Testament. So share that story with us and how that went. Right, so Nathan had been committing adultery and ultimately murder of David. Bash- David had been David, committing, yes. yeah, not Nathan. <laughs> well, David had uh, been committing adultery with Bathsheba and got her pregnant, and so to hide the fact, he went out and killed her husband. Nathan, being a prophet, kind of figured this out, maybe heard it through the grapevine, so he goes up to the king and says, a man who has a hundred sheep uh, sees his neighbor with one sheep and steals it. Now, this neighbor loved his sheep. He cared for it like it was a part of his family. And then the rich man who had a hundred sheep goes and kills it. What should be done with that man? And Nathan says, well, he should, he should die. Where is this man? Then the prophet says to David, you are that man. 
Yeah, and so David had got, you know, David had heard that story, and at first he was like, oh my gosh, that's terrible, not even realizing that he himself was taking part in something like that. And so it took someone else to kind of open his eyes a little bit. And, of course, God was using Nathan, so it was ultimately the Holy Spirit that had opened uh, David's eyes. Now, so what are some appropriate times uh, when it's appropriate to confront our team uh, members? Vernon, what, what would you say? Well, I think there are really four times when it's appropriate to confront a team member. Um, you know, if there's anything that's uh, illegal, obviously, um, I think that kind of goes without saying. So, what would you like? Uh, drug use, drug use, DUIs, DUIs. Um, you know, anything of that shoplifting, nature. shoplifting, stealing, uh, and then of course, if there's anything that might be, you know, sexually involving a minor or anything like that, obvious, you know, that anybody would know. Hey, this is not okay. So. Aside from that, then there's the sin issues, which what I would call sin issues is not you hear someone slip one time and stub their toe and say say a curse word, but more of you see a pattern of this person's always letting curse words slide, or you feel like this person has a very lustful attitude. If you see those kind of things in a person, then you owe that person as a fellow Christian to just say, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but this isn't in alignment with what God's called us to do and who God's called you to be. The third thing would really be um, anything that's just bad leadership. You know, you see someone, um, you know, there's a room full of students and the leader's just in the corner texting on their phone. Well, no, that's, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. So that's when you could gently walk over to someone and say, Hey, I'm, maybe you're dealing with something important. So if you could go ahead and finish that up, but let's for the rest of the night be really engaged with the students. And then the last thing I would say would be if there's anything that's just really not in alignment with our culture, and that's just um, you're hanging out with a bunch of students, and it's not necessarily sinful, but it's just kind of in a gray area, such as really listening to uh, non-Christian music or um, watching TV shows that are kind of sketchy, um, just things that are not in alignment with who we are as a team. And if you see another leader doing those kind of things, I think it's appropriate to say, what do you think about that? Do you realize that that's not who we are? Do you realize that what you're doing is going the opposite direction of who we are as a team? Yeah. Is that kind of like- Yeah, I think that, you know, that really, uh, I think, breaks down when it's appropriate to confront. Now I want to talk about how. Um, because Matthew chapter 18 kind of lays out a good pattern for us, Vernon, and I think that uh, you've got some things uh, in regards to that. But um, so, how should we go about approaching someone uh, the right way? If let's just say that God puts it on our heart or uh, something's revealed that we see, how should we do that? Yeah, well, that's never an easy situation because, you know, you have feelings and emotions. You don't want to deal with all the drama. So what I would do is I take it back to Scripture, like Chris said, is in Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, Jesus is asked, how should, uh, how should we confront a brother? And he says, 
that the first thing you do is you go to that person who sinned. So that's the very first thing is you don't go and talk amongst uh, the other leaders. You don't kind of uh, get on the prayer hotline and ask a bunch of questions. But what you would want to do is go directly to the person and just, I would just ask a question to start with because maybe we have it wrong. But ask the question, why are you doing this? Or do you have you thought about if the way you're doing this, do you think there might be a better way? And then hopefully they'll say, oh man, you know what? I thought, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. But if they're not receptive to that, that's when you can bring another person along with you and just say, hey, we've both kind of noticed this pattern going on. And we really want to see the best in you. What can we do to make this happen? And then if they're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, or they try to play dumb, that's when I would just go to Pastor Chris and say, this person's not really receptive, they're playing dumb, they're they're trying to cover something, and I just really want to see the team grow, I want to see this person grow, but I feel like I can't just plow over them. So that's where you'd pull Chris Mm -hmm. in. And that's where the Bible says, you know, you take it to the church. Well, for us, that would be taking it to the higher level of leadership. Right. And I and I have to say that usually most times once people do come to me and share that information with me or share a concern with me, uh, God's already kind of been dealing with me and revealing some things to me. And most of the time, it's multiple people that come to me and say, hey, I saw this, I heard this, I suspect this. And so uh, that's when I have to make a decision. Okay, uh, should I confront this now? Should I approach this, let some time go by, see if it works itself out? And then I have to decide, you know, based on the level of seriousness, um, uh, then then I have to make a decision on what to do. And I... uh, and, you know, it, it all has to be done through prayer. I think that's right. the that's the mo- the bottom line is when I first started, I, I did not uh, do this appropriately. And so uh, lots of people ended up getting hurt. And, and here's the deal. Uh, people are usually going to get hurt anyway, especially if it's a situation where they're being caught because their flesh is going to flare up. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, they know that they're wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but they're going to get an attitude as if they're the victim. And, of course, we all know they're not the victim. It's everybody else that they're serving and people they're serving with. Absolutely. They're the victims. And so um, most times when you're when it's more of a, a catching situation, uh, somebody's bound to get hurt. But my job as the youth pastor is is to make a decision where I'm protecting the mass of what we're doing. Absolutely. Not necessarily making sure the person I'm confronting feels good or gets their way. So, Yeah, and when you think about the whole Nathan and David situation, Nathan went through an intense time of repentance. And when you think about for someone to make a correction to repent from doing a wrong thing, you can't do that and feel good at the same time. So... I would never be afraid of hurting someone's feelings in those situations. Right. So so let's move on to the last uh, question here, and that is why. So why would, well, first of all, uh, why would we not want to confront uh, something that we see that that's kind of doesn't really, that kind of gives us that weird feeling in our gut? 
Uh, why would we not want to? Um, and I would say that you don't want them to you don't want them to to be caught and suffer and see them suffer the consequences. That's not why you would want to confront mm-hmm. them is to just see them get in trouble or see them face a consequence. That is absolutely the wrong reason. And I think we've all done things like that before. You know, we laugh at somebody that's pulled over getting a speeding ticket. Um, and right before that, maybe they cut us off or something, and we're like, ha-ha, you got what you deserve. Well, that's not the right reason. The first, the number one reason I think that we want to uh, confront people is because we care about them, and we want to see them... Uh, get some things back into alignment, and we want to see them begin making wise decisions. Uh, and the number two reason of why we would want to confront them is because we care about the students. Um, and it's important for us to understand that sin is not neutral, and sin does not only impact the person that's committing the sin, but sin impacts anyone that we have influence over. Um, so we, and in my heart here is that we not have, um, a perspective of confrontation where we're afraid to confront because we don't want to rat somebody out Mm. or we don't want somebody to get in trouble that's on our, our team or anything like that. At the end of the day, God is holding us responsible for discipling our students and my prayer would be for 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 myself and the entire leadership team is that if there's an issue that we know about we want to confront it because we want to be great disciples of our students and if there's anything that's going to impact them that's sinful or shady or sketchy then i just would hope that anybody on our team would have a level of intensity that we would want to confront that because we would not want that spirit to impact our students. Uh, for example, um, we've seen these all these issues before, but if, if we see that our students are getting very lustful, well, one of the things I take a look at is what leaders are most impactful on them because if those leaders are lustful, and very fleshy, then that's going to produce fleshy and lustful students. Uh, If I see students that are greedy, uh, the first thing I'm going to look at is who's impacting them. Uh, Are there uh, greedy leaders that are impacting them? So uh, do you have anything to add to that, Vernon? Sure. I think a big issue that we often have is, and not just we, but every team has, is when you notice someone uh, needs some correction, needs some uh, needs to be confronted or held accountable. Oftentimes, we'll try to cover up their situations, but we really got to look at the motive of doing that. If we really care authentically as a Christian about that person, we're not gonna do that. No, because that is not helping them. That's helping them stay in sin. That's helping them. Uh, continue to do bad leadership, continue to just go in a bad direction. The only person we're helping is ourselves because it makes us feel good or makes us feel more secure that we're not having to rock the boat. 
But if you really care about a person, you're not doing them any favors by trying to hide or cover sin for them or cover issues for them. Right. And, and like I said earlier is we are on a youth leadership team. So we are leading um, middle school and high school students. And so that has to be a priority to us is making sure that we're leading them well and that we are pastoring and protecting them um, well. And I want to close by reading of uh, some verses here uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, these are extreme. Um, I didn't say this. Okay, this is something that uh, Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in regards to um, Christians a part of their fellowship uh, here at this church uh, who had unrepentant sin active in their life. This is what he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. It says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Now, that's intense. And that's the level of intensity that it's going to take for us as a team, for us to get to the next level, and for us to grow and disciple students the way that we need to. Um. And let me just say that we've done that before. We have met with uh, people serving on our leadership team Mm -hmm. who have been just, I guess, repeat offenders of uh, some sinful habits and some sinful lifestyles, and we've asked them not to serve anymore. And as we close today... I want, I'd like for all of you guys to spend this next week reflecting and doing a gut and a heart check on yourself and ask yourself if there's any area in your life where you've gotten gray on, any area that you might need God to help you come back into alignment in and just really do some self-observation, some self-evaluation in regards to your motives, your desires, anything that the Holy Spirit may want to put His finger on and say, you know what, going into 2018, uh, I'd like to have that issue and I'd like to take you to another level. Okay, well, that's it. Vernon, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with anybody? Yeah, I'd just like to say that, you know, when we get better as a team, our ministry gets better and our students get better. So, you know, Chris, I'm just so excited to just be a part of what God's going to do in 2018. And I'm really excited of just building a culture of just the authenticity. I think that's the heart behind what we're doing. Awesome. Well, that's it for us this week. You guys have a great uh, rest of your week and weekend, and we'll see most of you on Sunday.